In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Chris Daly of Disruptive Advertising. This is the Business of E-Commerce, Episode 10. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the podcast that helps retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski, and I'm here today with Chris Daly of Disruptive Advertising. Hey, Chris, how's it going today? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, it's great. I um, want to bring you on. I know you specialize in a lot of uh, conversion optimization, and that's kind of a huge topic right now. So I want to kind of bring you on and talk a bit about that. Um, so first, what's your, so you're with Disruptive Advertising. What's your kind of role there? So I am over the, um, the testing division of Disruptive. So a little bit of background. I, um, prior to coming over here to Disruptive, I was running my own A-B testing agency. Uh, it was called Daily Conversion. And, uh, you know, we specialized primarily in, in website testing. So helping businesses uh, test their online sites to convert better. Um, and then we also dabbled in, in email testing. So, you know, figuring out how to increase email open rates, email click-through rates, that kind of stuff. Um, and back in, uh, I think it was 2016, uh, about a year and a half ago, close to two years ago, um, I merged with Disruptive Advertising. And Disruptive Advertising was traditionally just a PPC agency, so focusing on Google AdWords and, uh, you know, Facebook advertising. Um, and so my role over here at Disruptive is... I basically lead up the the, the testing division of uh, of client work, so I'm responsible for um, for promoting and and for um, creating an excellent uh, making sure that we have excellent strategies in place for our clients to increase conversion rates. Okay, and so then you specialize so disruptive before you came board. Just to make sure I get it was kind of focused on bringing more folks to the site and your kind of specialty is then once they get there, converting them um, or increasing that conversion rate. Exactly. Yeah. It's a very okay. natural pairing of services. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. You don't have one, one without the other, right? Yep. <laughs> so then are you more focused on the um, email side or the website or kind of do a blend of both? So we do a blend of both and that's kind of where it's fun is, is we're, we've got the flexibility to, really jump in where it makes sense for our for our clients. We have some we have some e-commerce clients that have have, you know, over time built out huge email lists. Um, and, you know, and so when we have clients that have large email lists, then we will spend a lot of time helping them test and refine their email processes, you know, getting drip campaigns set up, making sure that, you know, for e-commerce, it's really big to have like cart abandoned emails set up. It's amazing how many sites don't have that set up. Um, and so, you know, even getting just some of the fundamentals built out and, and rolling can have a huge, huge impact. I know we just, we, we implemented for one of our, uh, one of our Shopify clients, um, one of those like cart abandoned emails, which is just, you know, it's, it's an auto email. If someone adds something to their cart and does not purchase, um, you know, it just sends them an email reminding them that they had that, that, uh, product in their cart. Um, and I think in the first week it generated close to $10,000 in additional sales, um, you know, just from, just from getting this, you know, this, this foundational piece set up. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of really fun things that you can do using email 
in connection with uh, with your website. So uh, we, we've got the flexibility to kind of do whatever our clients need, but the majority of our of our work is done on the website side of things, um, just because usually uh, websites get um, you know there, there's much more opportunity to test on websites. Um, than there is to you know testing email unless you have a huge email list. So um, the vast majority of our clients were were focused primarily on website testing. Okay. So then let's say so you mentioned a couple things easy like the um, card abandonment. Let's say new client comes to e-commerce site um, and they want to kind of get started. What are kind of the first things that you look for or talk about or what kind of um, what's kind of the low hanging fruit you usually start with? Yeah, so usually in, in terms of low-hanging fruit, um, there, there's going to be some major opportunities that we're going to look at. But first, we're going to look at how much traffic the site gets. Um, because when, when you're talking about A-B testing, you want to focus your efforts where it's going to have the biggest impact. And when we're looking at where we're going to have the biggest impact, it's usually the pages or areas where you're going to get the most traffic. All right, so typically for e-commerce sites, that's the homepage. You know, um, a lot of times you're you're either going to be sending traffic to a homepage or to like a category page. So if you're, you know, a clothing retailer, you're going to send people to your uh, pants page or your shirts page or whatever. Uh, if you are, um, you know, selling baby bottles, you're going to send them to the lids page or to the you know bottles page, whatever it is. Um, and when you, know, you say so the two page, when you say ahead. send them, are you talking organic or are you talking paid or doesn't matter. Either way, you just both, want to see where they're Okay, yep. Yeah, yeah. So we want to figure out. So what we'll typically do is look at the top traffic pages in Google Analytics, yep. um, and just to get a sense for where people are going. Usually, what we see is the vast majority of the traffic starts on the home page. So you definitely want to start running some tests on the home page, and then they'll they'll trickle down from there. So you know, you'll go to your most popular category pages from there. Uh, and so on. So when we start looking at those pages, you know, we'll just talk about homepage as an example. Yep. Um, low-hanging fruit for e-commerce on homepages. One of the biggest things that I think most e-commerce sites are totally missing the boat on is figuring out what should they have on their homepage. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, it's the fundamental question, but most e-commerce sites will just make a bunch of assumptions of, okay, well, we've got to have a rotating banner and we've got to put all of our seasonal... Uh, you know, products in there or our latest deals. Um, and then below that, we're going to feature our popular categories. And then below that, we're going to feature our popular products. And below that, we're going to have a bunch of crap from our blog and social media channels and whatever. And that's yeah, just like, like the standard, right? <laughs> a lot of people start with that template and they, uh, you know, the default template and they see here's kind of the, the holes we have to fill in and put in kind of what the canned um, data is there. But tend to never really go back and actually test and say like, why was this there? And does this make sense for us? And you know, that the blog, for example, that's always down at the footer. That's always there. The last three blog posts, but does it actually even like move the needle? And does anyone click on yeah. it? Yeah. So one of the first few tests that we'll run for most e-commerce clients, I call it an existence test. It's a very simple test. Anyone can run this. Um, and the idea of an existence test is to, is to discover what content is helping conversion rates and what content on my homepage is hurting conversion rates. So what you'll do is using a testing tool like Optimizely or Visual Website Optimizer, um, you will create multiple different versions of your homepage. So, um, you know, I'll give you an example. So we had a, a client, uh, Diesel Power Gear. They sell a bunch of all kinds of different stuff on their on their site. They've got clothing. They've got beard wax and energy drinks and like I mean all kinds of stuff. Um, 
And so what, what we did is we created eight different versions of their homepage. And in each different version, we just removed a section of products. So they had like, you know, their rotating home, their rotating banner up at the top. And then beneath that, they would have like men's apparel. Then they had another column or, or another row, women's apparel, another row, beard care, another row. You know, so they had all these different rows of products. And they thought that that was awesome because they're like, oh, well, we've got so many products. People are going to love that. They're going to find something they like. And people so go tested, and they'll, you know, they'll try to find a little something for everyone. Hopefully someone picks a thing they want and goes into exactly. that. And, okay, yeah. So we tested eight different versions. Each, each different version of the homepage removed a section of products. Out of those eight versions, six of them ended up increasing revenue. Um, and when we were finished, so when, when we were finished testing, we ended up removing three or four different sections of, uh, of products from their homepage which resulted in like $30,000 in additional revenue within just a couple weeks. Huh, um, nope. Just from removing stuff from the homepage. Yeah, well, why was the removing actually, like how does that, if you yeah. drill into that, like why was the removing actually increasing the revenue? Yeah, and so what that tells you is when you, when, when you remove something from your site and conversion rates go up, that tells you that that content was distracting people. It was distracting or detracting them from converting. So when you've got an e-commerce site and you have the homepage, the homepage is the gateway into your website, right? The whole point of your homepage is to get someone to click on something and go deeper into your website. Well, when you have too much stuff, it's easy for people to just get lost. You know, people get fear of missing out, you know, and they go, well, I, I really kind of like this shirt, but, oh, they've got hats down here. Let me check out the hats. Oh, I like these hats, but, oh, they've got belt buckles. Let me just see what belt buckles they have. And they end up talking themselves out of that shirt that they would have bought initially because they just keep seeing more stuff. Um, and so that's why these existence tests are so powerful for e-commerce sites because if you can just remove some of your products and increase the likelihood that someone will focus on the product they're actually looking for, um, and, and clicking through to it, uh, you know, conversion rates will go up. Now, you know, if conversion, if you remove something from your homepage and conversion rates go down, meaning you, you lose money if you remove this, then you've also gotten uh, some major insights for your audience because you found something that your audience really cares about. Hmm. So if you remove t-shirts from your homepage and revenue drops, you go, okay, well, t-shirts is super important. So let's keep that there. And we can move on to, you know, we, we can move on to, to testing some other things. So that's the easiest, lowest hanging fruit test that we always start with because it helps us identify what content, what products are important and what products are distracting. Huh. Okay. Now, when you say conversion, are you talking about an actual like add to cart or all the way down to checkout or what do you, how do you even define a conversion? Just to make sure. Yeah, that's a good question. And so, yeah. So every test we run, we're going to have a primary conversion metric. Uh, so we could call that like your your micro goal. So like what's the thing that you want to influence? And then you're going to have macro conversion goals, which might be like tracking them all the way through the funnel. So did we get people to the cart? Did we get people to check out? Did we get people to actually purchase? Um, you know, so you're going to want to track revenue because, um, you know, you could get a lot more people to click on one of your products, but they might not end up buying it. Right. And so you need to have all of these metrics to kind of check for sanity. And so that's part of the importance of having someone who's who's experienced in analyzing test results is you can start tracking all these metrics. And when it gets really tricky is, OK, well, hey, we got more people to the cart, but less people to check out. Well, what do we err in favor of? Exactly. You know, yeah. Do we so want, then what do you do? Do we do want more, 
for our ads? Do we want more checkouts? Do we? I mean, obviously we want more checkouts, but hey, if we get more people to the cart, then maybe we need to do some work on the che- on the cart page to get people to check out. You know, so so that's where you know the the post test analysis becomes really crucial. But for most tests, we're going to have a primary success metric. So if you're running a test on the home page. Your, your, your best success metric is going to be the next step of the funnel. So uh, what we'll typically track is category pages. Did we get someone to a category page? Did we get someone to a product page? You know, if, if we got someone to a product page, we got them into the site, and that's the purpose of the home page. Now let's focus on keeping, you know, progressing down the funnel. And you kind of work on then moving those rates, uh, you know, at each stage of the funnel. Um, exactly. Moving the rates kind of yeah, so- a little higher each time. Yeah, yeah, you're basically taking your funnel and you're just trying to expand all steps of the funnel. Because if you can get more people into the top of your funnel, your homepage, uh, then you assume that you would get more checkouts. But you're still going to lose a large percentage of those as they start trickling down through the site. They go to your category page, they lose interest, they go to a product page, they see that there's no reviews, they bail out or whatever, you know. Like, there's there's so many things that, that will affect people later on in the funnel. So, um, it's it, it's it's a really fun um, space that, you know, doing site testing for e-commerce is so fun because there, there are just, there's so many things that are happening in a customer's mind. And when somebody's purchasing, there's so many different steps to their purchase decision. There's so many different psychological phases someone's going to go through from, you know, awareness, just being aware of coming in your homepage and being kind of interested, clicking through, getting a little, little bit more educated, a little bit more interested. They go to your product page, they start actually talking themselves into into buying and then there's all kinds of interesting psychology that happens in the checkout process you know of actually giving up their personal information um so so that's that's where it's so fun is that each stage of the funnel requires a different approach huh. and you find this they're moving through the funnel um at one in one day sort of thing they come to the site and you're trying to just see to someone come to the home page immediately click check out buy or are you trying to attract people through the you know, possibly come back the next day. Um, you're engaging with them on their mobile. They might come back and purchase on a desktop. Or like, how does that actually um, fit into the whole thing? Yeah. So the well, the simple answer to that is yes. You want to track all of that, <laughs> yep. right? Um, and it really just depends on what kind of product you're selling. You know, typically higher priced products. If you're selling lawn mowers or uh, you know, I don't even know, oven ranges or whatever it is. Um, yeah. higher, higher priced items are typically a longer buying cycle. And so, you know, uh, I think the, the rule of thumb is anything under a hundred dollars is typically an impulse purchase, right? So if, if your products are under a hundred dollars, you should be able to convert them same day. If it's over a hundred dollars, then it really just kind of depends on what kind of a product it is, right? So that's where you can kind of get an idea. You can look at your analytics um, and get an idea of how long does it typically take our customers to buy. And then the other, the other part of that is, okay, if it takes someone two to three days to buy, does it need to take them two to three days to buy? Is it taking them two to three days because I'm not doing a good enough job converting them today? Or is it, doing, is it taking them two to three days just because that's how long it's going to take no matter what? Yep. <laughs> and so those are some other interesting questions that you can start testing with um, you know, hey, maybe if we add some urgency to our site, maybe if we ha- add, um, y- you know, some some uh, prompt for them to buy today, maybe that will increase our likelihood that uh, that, w- that we can get them to convert today as opposed to tomorrow. Because anytime somebody leaves your website, 
their chances of coming back are drastically reduced. And so your best chance of converting someone is on there is, is while they're there on your site. Yeah. And if you lose them, then you have to kind of, the whole goal is then at that point to bring them back. And that gets a uh, much more difficult and even expensive process, right? Yep. And that's when you start talking about things like cart abandoned emails or retargeting, you know, and, and, Nothing sucks worse. I mean, every marketer knows this. Nothing sucks worse than paying to get someone to your site once and then they leave and you have to pay to get them back again. You know, you're like double paying for that same customer, which I mean, if you end up getting a paid customer, it's probably worth it. Uh, But it's much better to convert them on that first time you pay for them than, than having to keep paying for the same person to come back over and over again. So the goal is, you know, hopefully you're not leaning on remarketing for every, um, for every customer coming to the site, that's kind of your your fallback position. Yeah, and again, you know, what I've found is even even on mobile devices, one big thing I hear in e-commerce is people will say, oh, well, people don't purchase on mobile. Uh, I have clients that will say that to me about T-shirts. Like, hmm. well, people just don't purchase on mobile. And so, you know, our mobile site is not really, it's not meant to convert people. It's just to get them interested and then they're going to come back and buy on their desktop. Yeah. There's that old school school mentality, right? Where, you know, on your Motorola StarTech, um, you know, 15 years ago, you probably weren't buying anything. Um, But now with an iPhone, you can like go through the whole sales cycle based on a mobile. Is that kind of what you're finding? But, well, and yes, if, if the mobile site is, is built properly. So the reason a lot of e-commerce sites still think that mobile doesn't convert is because their mobile site sucks. And so they look at their conversion rates. You know, you go into Google Analytics and you compare your mobile conversion rates with your desktop conversion rates. And it's pretty typical. Like when we start working with clients, it's pretty typical for us to see um, desktop conversion rates being four or five times higher than mobile. Hmm. And so as soon as a lot of businesses see that, they go, our mobile conversion rates are so low. Well, that just means that mobile people aren't converting. You know, they're just not going to convert on a mobile device. Which is a bunch of crap because if people weren't going to convert on a mobile device, you wouldn't have any mobile conversions. But the yep, fact that point. you have some mobile conversions, but they're just super low, says we're probably missing the boat on mobile. And that's the case uh, in 100% of, of the cases that I've worked with, uh, the sites that I've worked with, mobile conversion rates are low because we're not treating our mobile users differently. Uh, we're, we're not giving them a good enough mobile experience for them to convert. What kind of ratio, let's say you're selling products under $100, what kind of ratio would you expect on mobile versus desktop conversions? Like, Could you see like a one-to-one or is it still going to be a little off? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I've seen a lot of e-commerce sites where mobile conversion rates are higher because, mm. you know, typically a lot of times your most engaged audience is going to be on a mobile device, especially if you have a heavy presence on social media. Um, and social media is a great place for e-commerce products. And so... Um, you know, if, if you have a heavy presence on social media, your your audience is engaged. They're whether they're finding you through Facebook ads or through you know organic content that you're sharing. Um, they are they're coming to you on a mobile device, and they're you know people that come from Facebook they purchase stuff. You know, <laughs> it's it's just the um, but if they come to your mobile site and they get frustrated, and we've all had this experience where you're on your mobile device, you're trying to figure out, uh, you're trying to figure out a website on your mobile device, and it's just frustrating. It takes too long to load, or you're clicking on something and you can't figure out how to, can't figure out how to check out, or it just looks so awful. It's just like 
repelling you. We've all had those experiences where we leave a site because it's obvious they didn't take the time uh, to give me a good mobile experience. And if they didn't take the time to give me a good mobile experience, why am I going to trust their product? Like, you know, why would they have an awful mobile site and a great product? Like, it just destroys confidence. And, and, then, so and then you're trying to work, and then you're trying to go back the other direction. Now you've actually dug yourself into a hole, and you're trying to then yeah. come back on the desktop. And desktop retargeting um, is more expensive, as far as I know. Correct? It is more expensive. Yeah. So then, you know, if you if you have to retarget them onto their desktop to close that sale, now you're talking it's even even more to land that sale. Yes. You know? Yeah, and not only that, but but each additional step that someone has to take, each additional step that someone feels they have to take. Hmm. Um, is it's, it's decreasing the value of your product and it's, and it's, you know, the reason that it's decreasing the value is because somebody's perceived their, their perceived effort, the effort it's going to take them to buy your product comes out of the value of your product. Okay. It's a $10 product. Is this really worth $10 of my time? Like I know it's a cheap product, but if this is too much work, it's just a freaking $10 product. I'm not going to spend my time going through this ridiculous mobile process, you know? So, so anytime you're increasing, you're, you're introducing barriers or friction or someone has to come back on a desktop device, um, that's extra effort that's required of them. And the, and people don't like that. Huh? Well, no, what you said about they, an extra step they feel they have to take. What exactly do you mean by like the feeling of an extra step? How would you kind of look at that? That's interesting. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, you could, you could view checkout as a step, right? You could view checkout as like, oh, this is something I'm going to have to do, and this is going to take forever. What we've tested with some of our clients is, is literally just saying, instead of like, um, instead of just saying, you know, checkout uh, and, and just showing people the cost, if you can build up value in the checkout process, like checkout in five minutes, free returns, um, you know, free shipping, get your product in two days. If you can like reignite some of their excitement on the checkout page, huh. a lot of times that can, um, instead of them going, oh, I have to go through all this effort. I have to put in all my information. They're going, oh yeah, this is freaking sweet. All I have to do is fill out this form. I'm going to get free shipping. I get this discount. It's a one, one day sale. Like, this is a great deal. I want to do this now. Like, so they want to take that step instead of them rolling their eyes going, great, I have to enter my credit card. I have to go find it, you know, all this stuff. And so um, same thing with any step of, of your website. Um, if you can make it feel easy and even feel desirable to your audience, um, then, then that, that removes a lot of the perceived effort in their mind because they stop viewing it as an effort step. They, they start viewing it as, as a step that's bringing them more value. That's a good way of looking at it because I feel like we've all been there where you're checking out on your mobile and uh, you get to the checkout page and there's a list of countries and you have to, you know, U.S. is at the bottom and you have to scroll through all the way and <laughs> like you said, then find your credit card and you're not sure where that and it becomes this whole, you know, do I even really want this basically at that point? Um, yep. So making that... Adding value there is something I don't think um, I don't think I see a lot of people doing. Honestly, that's a good one. Yeah, and and some of the best ways to do that. I mean, if if you are going to offer like some, any kind of discount on your on your products, um, it's really powerful to reinforce that discount on your checkout uh, on your checkout page, especially if there's any kind of urgency around it. Like it's a limited time offer. Um, you know those types of limited time offers increase our chances of impulse 
impulse decisions, you know? Um, and so, I mean, I know that like my wife, for example, I can't even tell you how many times I've come home and she's bought something for me and I'll be like, I didn't necessarily even want this. And she'll be like, yeah, but look at what a great deal I got on it, you know? <laughs> and it's like, maybe she bought the product for the same price that they would offer it for regardless. But yep. she felt like she was getting a deal. She felt like she was getting a deal and she felt, um, so excited about it that she wanted to take action immediately without even talking to me about it, right? That's the kind of website experience you want to create for your audience. You want them to be so excited to buy your product. They don't even want to wait to talk to their significant other about it. They just want to buy it now because it's such a great value. It's such a great deal. And it's so easy to do. Hmm. Yeah. We've all kind of been there where you, uh, yeah, you have that limited time offer and you feel like you have to do it now or else it's going to, you know, disappear or, evaporate you know in the next two hours and it's happening now it's a sale and uh creating that online though is something i feel like a lot of people haven't quite mastered do you have any kind of tips to doing that on how to actually create that kind of buzz yeah you have to have to test because um there there is no one size fits all approach when it comes to the web you know so you might even look at at one of your competitors and i see this happen all the time when we're working with clients i'll go oh my competitor has this countdown timer on their site we got to try that or hey look at my competitor has this little pop up that shows every time someone buys a product on on their site like that's so cool cuz it's like social proof like you know and it, it works for some sites. It doesn't work for others. I've shown those little social proof pop-ups. Um, I've tested adding those to sites where it dramatically decreases conversion rates hmm. because it's actually creating a distraction on the site. It's something that's popping up that's distracting them. It's pulling them out of this sales experience. Whereas with some other products, you know, people may need a lot of social proof and that like constant reinforcement of seeing that you know Joe Smith in Texas just bought, you know, this t-shirt I'm looking at, like, can go, oh, wow, look at this. Um, so it's super important to test and it's, and it's important to, um, so two things. Um, number one is if you have something that is working, so if there's something on your site that is working, test improving it. So, um, you know, if you have discounts on your website or if you have a, um, you know, spin the wheel deal, uh, you know, when somebody gets to your home page and you're just getting a crap ton of people that are engaging with it and buying from it, yep. test it to make it better. Test different ways of displaying it. Test different ways of getting people to engage. Test different, th- saying different things on it. And that's probably and, the easiest. If you know something's already working, it's a lot easier yeah. to keep pushing it than to try to, you know, find the blue ocean, the thing that's you haven't found yet. But if you know there's something that has exactly. somewhat engagement, it's probably better focusing there first, I'm guessing. Yes, and so I always recommend, and it's a it's a fine balance, and this is where, again, you know, having having someone that can help you think outside the box is helpful because um, it's really easy to also get the blinders on and go, well, we know that this thing works, so let's not change anything because I don't want to screw it up. Um, and so you want to make sure that you keep an open mind that you are constantly iterating on the stuff that works and that you're also exploring regularly. So I, I like to recommend to my clients that, at least once every three months, we probably ought to explore some kind of new idea because, you know, again, it, it's kind of a shot in the dark, but when you find something that works, um, that, that works well, um, it's, it's totally worth the, the risk of, you know, throwing the spaghetti up, the, up against the wall and seeing what sticks, you know, so you want to make sure that you're not 
um, neglecting things that could be dramatically improving your site. Well, then it probably, I know when you're on your own first time doing this, um, there's a question of defining even works because you might be looking at something and say, you know, 2% of people engage with this. Is that a good number? Is that like, is that amazingly high for this particular thing? Is that, you know, very low? And it's hard to know sometimes, you know, are you looking for 2%, 10% or 50%? And we'll kind of, you could be off by an order of magnitude understanding that's, <laughs> you know, and maybe 0.2 would be actually, you know, a normal rate for engagement of that particular thing. Um, and you're getting a 2% and it's amazing, but you don't even know that. Um, so yeah. kind of the, I know um, I've seen a lot of people struggle with that of just what should these percentages be at any, you know, an email open rate, a um, rate, the, for example, a rate from when an item goes into a cart to when you actually purchase it. Um, so things like that aren't immediately obvious unless you've seen some sort of data set. It's hard your first time around uh, figure out what is the correct rate for each one of those steps. Yeah, and, and one of the first things that I'll tell to my clients all the time is is they've got to stop thinking about conversion rates in terms of should. Like, what should my conversion rates be? Or what are my competitors' conversion rates? Like, um, you want to use your, your data as your own benchmark. So wherever you're at is, a great, is, is, your, is your starting point. And so what you want to do, instead of trying to match some industry standard or, or, you know, match whatever your competitors are getting or whatever your last business had, take whatever you're at right now, and that's your benchmark, and you just want to start improving it. And so, um, you know, I've gone and worked with with websites that have run tests for years. So they've literally been testing and making data-driven changes to their site for years, and we've still been able to see dramatic increases in conversion rates. Um, I've also worked with companies that have never done testing before, and we see huge increases in conversion. And so it doesn't matter like where you've been. It doesn't matter how much work you've done. It doesn't matter how much research you've put into your demographic. It doesn't matter how many cu- customer profiles you've done or focus groups you've done. Like There is always room to improve. And so just taking what you have now and saying, it's not good, it's not bad, it's just this is where we're at, and now we want to improve things. Uh, that's the best way to approach testing. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, yeah, because each site, each industry, each you know product type, each thing is going to have a little bit of a different, um, just different, a different funnel to it, different rates, everything like that. Um, and you can look at the data a lot of different ways. We have a, an e-commerce client that he'll he'll look at his overall site conversion rate and sometimes he'll panic and he'll be like oh my gosh my overall site conversion rate dropped by a whole percent uh this month what the hell is going on like i thought you guys were testing and increasing conversion rates and when you start digging into the numbers going well what's happening like our conversion rates going down a lot of times that's not the case a lot of times it's oh oh we increased our email traffic and our email traffic converts really low and so we're just getting a lot more crappy traffic right now. Or conversion rates went way up this month. Everything we're doing must be working. No, we just sent a lot more Facebook traffic, and Facebook traffic converts really well. Um, and so there's so many different ways to look at the data as well. And so that's also why you never want to say, like, here's where we should be. This is a good conversion rate. You don't even want to compare your own conversion rates um, to, like, you know, where they were last month because – so many things can change in a month, month over month basis. You know, there might have been some natural disaster, and most of your clients are in Texas, and there was a huge monsoon storm that blasted Texas, and so nobody was buying anything. And so you might think that you know 
that your site's broken uh, when in reality it's just, hey, there was, stuff, there was crap happening last month and conversion rates will bounce back once people start getting back online. Um, hmm. And so that's why it's just so important that the idea of A-B testing is important because you're not comparing conversion rates to your competitor. You're not comparing conversion rates to last month. It's here's our current site. Let's test this new version. At the same time, they'll go head to head and let's see which one performs better. So, okay, so now let's say you're coming in fresh out of eyes. You're not, you know, not comparing conversion rates to anything outside of today. Where do you? How do you tell where to start? Um, do you look down at the bottom, you know, bottom of the funnel, write a checkout, and say, let's try to increase this first, or let's try to go all the way to the top and bring people from the home page into one of those category pages? Like, how do you plan your first attack then and your first test? Yeah. So again, the. Basically, what we will do is, with our clients, we'll, we'll prioritize testing opportunities. So um, prioritizing testing opportunities typically involves a couple of different metrics. So you want to go for the biggest impact, so wherever you're getting the most traffic. You also want to go for the most important. So a page that's really important might be the checkout page because it's like, Hey, if we increase checkout, that's just immediate bottom line revenue. If we increase conversion rates on the homepage, we might not even make more revenue, right? So you want to balance the two of those and say, okay, if I get 500,000 visitors to my homepage and I only get 500 people to my checkout page, I should not start on my checkout page because there's not, an, there's not even enough people to test there, right? Yep. Even though it's lower in the funnel, even though it's more important, there's not enough potential impact for us to test on the on the checkout page. Now, if you get 500,000 people to your homepage and you get 50,000 people to your checkout page, then you're really going to need to sit there and go, okay, we're going to need to prioritize this. Hopefully, we have the resources to do both at the same time, but if we don't and we need to just focus on one thing at a time. Um, but for most e-commerce companies, you're going to want to start towards the top of the funnel. So I, I recommend either starting with homepage or maybe a category page. And then and then go from there. So cuz up there you assume there's the most traffic so the easier the the more traffic you could probably run your test a little more rapidly versus if you're getting, yes. you know, 50 people at a checkout page it might take you a week. Or I guess what what would be a uh, a reasonable number of uh, amount of data to consider a valid test. Yeah, and it's going to be different for every company because um, you not only want a lot of visitors, but you also want a good amount of conversions, right? So, um, so typically, what I will look at is is um, there's there's a lot of calculators that you can use online to calculate like what should my sample size be. You can say here's my conversion rate, here's how much traffic I get, and they'll say, oh, you need to run the test for a week. Um, but in terms of like standards or benchmarks or whatever, I never run a test for less than a week. So even if you get a ton of traffic, you want to run a test for a full week huh, because yeah. conversion rates are going to be different on every day of the week. Yeah. And this, these are actually really fun reports to pull. Um, if, if you go on and, and you look at your conversion rates by day, um, your weekend traffic is going to convert way different than your weekday traffic. And so you don't want to call a test after just running it Monday through Friday because you haven't seen how it performs with week. week traffic yet it might totally flip up and i've seen that happen with tests before where you have one version that's that's winning by a long shot and then the weekend comes and it flip-flops um and so and so that's again you 
was listening to a uh, someone talk about the other day. They had a um, online jobs board. You know, you go in there and look for a job. And every Sunday night, they would see that traffic, you know, drastically spike because people were thinking of Monday, yes. you know, and thinking, oh, I have to go back yep. to my job. And so Sunday would be this massive outlier for them. Um, and then Friday, you know, traffic dips. Nobody cares about getting a new job. At, um, so it was just before the weekend. Yeah, before the yeah. weekend, you know, you kind of forget. You just do the weekend. But Sunday night was their, uh, was their big day. So that's, that's a good one. Yeah, so never, never for less than a week, no matter how much traffic you get. Um, and then you want to just run it. The great thing about a lot of these testing tools is they will um, offer some like st- statistical significance calculations, which you don't want to call test just based on that. But typically what I'm looking for is I'm looking for consistent data. So I want to see that something is winning for more than just a day. right? So if I launch a test and I see one of the variations is winning consistently for a full week, um, assuming that I have a good amount of data, assuming I have, you know, I, I usually shoot for a few thousand visitors per, uh, per test variation. Um, then, you know, that, that will, uh, that'll be a good place to start, you know, to and start would, saying, okay, I probably have winning, data. How do you define actual winning versus, you know, is this a 49 to 51 or what kind of, like what, what is actually significant with that? Yeah, well, and again, that will just depend on the amount of data. So um, yep. it takes a lot more data to determine a small lift. So if, if you're increasing conversion rates from 1% to 1.1%, which is a 10% lift, it's not bad, but to, to detect that kind of a, a small change, you're going to need a lot of a lot of traffic. Okay. Right? But if you're going from a 1% conversion rate to a 20% conversion rate... It doesn't matter. Like, it, it won. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 need you know you you'll still need to run that test for a decent amount of time, but it's like you you'll get statistical significance really quickly. And so sure. again, it, it all just kind of depends on how big of an impact are we seeing. the The biggest mistake that I see new businesses make that are trying A/B testing is they want to capitalize on the impact as soon as they see it. And so day one, we're seeing a huge increase. Let's call it. But you need to you need to give it some time to calm down because. When you're first starting a test, every single conversion is going to affect conversion rates like crazy. You know, it's like, um, hey, I, I, wow, we doubled conversion rates. We have two conversions, and the other one has one. Like, yep. you didn't double conversion rates. You just have one extra conversion. Like, that's nothing. So, um, so it's yeah, it's super important to to actually go in and make sure that you've got a decent amount of conversions. Yeah, I see that's the hardest thing when people first start enough, um, especially when you're talking about the you know checkout page. You might not be getting that many actual add to cards per day. So then, like you said, people are excited. So you want to you know, find out something quick. And with a day's worth of data, there's just not enough there to, uh, to optimize that. Yes, exactly. Um, do you, in, in circumstances like that, do you try to get paid traffic to come in just to you know, up that data? Or does that kind of uh, skew your numbers? Well, I mean, it, it likely will skew your numbers if you haven't already been running paid traffic there. So if, if you're already getting a lot of paid traffic and all you need to do is just up the budget and get more of it, then that's fine. But if it's like, hey, this is our, our, our site and we get tons of organic traffic um, or, we, or we get a little bit of organic traffic and then we're going to add in a new traffic source to the mix, yep. every traffic source converts very, very differently. And so... That is going to skew your numbers if you change traffic sources in the middle of the test. Mm, so you either okay. want to start the you either want to start the test off with your traffic source sending traffic, uh, so that 
you know, you can keep your, your traffic this consistent throughout. Or if you get two weeks into a test and you're like, wow, we're just not getting a lot of conversions. We need to send some different traffic here. Just start a new test okay. <laughs> because it's just going to be completely different uh, visitors that are coming to your site. So is this something then that folks that are just starting off in e-commerce are able to do, or is this something you have to kind of wait until you have some sort of traffic or, you know, is this some sort of hack you can do to, you know, you get wanted to get started, you launch a new site and a few weeks in, you want to start kind of um, checking, um, testing. Is that something you could do at that point or you need to wait before you really have some uh, traffic getting funneled in? Well, I mean, you, you need traffic in order to test. And so, um, you know, if you launch an e-commerce site and you're getting 10 people a week, like you're not going to want to do any A-B testing. But, I mean, if you launch a site and then you're doing a big marketing push along with that um, and you start driving 10,000 visits in a month, then you want to start testing immediately. Um, because, you know, the way that I look at it is anytime, if you get a decent amount of traffic to your site, anytime you're not running a test, you are missing out on a major opportunity to learn. You know, you could be learning and there could be something that's performing better than what you have now. Uh, and so you're wasting opportunities to learn with your traffic. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it, is, it is a numbers game though. And so I usually recommend that people don't think about testing until they have at least 5,000 visitors to their site per month. Okay. That would be like the bare minimum. Okay. Yeah, because anything over that, then you're talking tests are probably going to be taking weeks um, to run even two variables. So then you're going to, you know, you're not going to be moving at any reasonable rate at that point. And because you have such low traffic amounts, things could change so much hmm. on a month-over-month -month basis. So if you're running a test for two months, well, I mean, by That's the time you get to the end of the first time. month, yeah, you've got so much, so many things that have changed, especially with a new site. You probably have changed things on the site. You've probably changed things with your traffic, with your audience, you know, uh, seasonality. Things may have occurred, you know, all of a sudden it's winter time. And so, uh, you know, people are going to be converting different than they did during the fall or, you know, there's just so many things that will change. So, yeah, it is important to, to wait until you get a, a, a decent amount of traffic. Yeah, because then there's also that, like you said, a max amount of time that you go into summer, going into the holiday season, that sort of thing. So if you go, you, it can't be, you know, it can't be too short, but it can't be too long either. So you need this kind of a sweet spot of, sounds like it, around a week, basically, if you can do that, get enough data that you can actually tell, but not too much where actual, um, the time of the test might start coming into play. Sure, yeah. Hmm. What are some other kind of uh, gutches that you see that people... Um, run into that are a bit surprising? Well, so website redesigns are a big deal. Um, no. Everybody's doing these all the time. You know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even tell you. I, I, I think I could flip a coin. When we're talking to new clients and we're saying, hey, let's, let's do some website testing on your site, it's probably 50% of the time I will wow. hear um, people say, oh, well, we're either working on a website redesign, we're about to launch a website redesign, we're about to start a website redesign. I mean, people are doing these constantly. And are you talking um, UI or URL structure or like replatforming? Like what level of yes, redesign? Yes, all of now? the above. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it, it really just depends, right? Okay. So some, some companies, if you're on Shopify, it's yep. really common to like change your themes, right? You change your yep. theme on Shopify um, and it's like, 
a fairly easy way to like redesign your site. And um, URL stay the same. Checkout process is still the same, but the actual UI yeah, you're just restyling yeah. it. Yeah. So, it. Yep. so that's yeah. So that's one way. I mean, uh, other other sites will completely overhaul their entire site. They'll change everything. Uh, and so, but the ones that I see most most frequently are UI changes. So you're changing the design, right? Just just the styling of the site. Okay. And one big mistake that I see with this is. Businesses are so eager to change their site and they have no idea why, <laughs> you know, and usually the idea, the, the reason why that I hear most frequently is, well, our site just sucks. We have to get something up that's better than what it is now. Yeah, they always say, um, it, you always hear it looks old. Um, yeah, it just, it just looks old. It's outdated. It's no yeah. good. I mean, look at our biggest competitor. I mean, we're so far behind them. We've, we've just got to get something up that's, you know, that, that is halfway decent the problem with that is you are basically justifying making irrational poor business decisions right yeah. i mean it would be like <laughs> i mean you know website redesigns are kind of like remodeling a store right so it'd be kind of like if target you know just said oh my gosh okay um i just went over to uh, i just went over to walmart and they've got they've got like uh, energy drinks on every aisle. Like our, our, our store freaking sucks. Let's, let's just change the whole thing. Let's shut down the whole thing. Let's, let's start it over fresh from scratch. Let's do what they're doing. And the fact of the matter is you don't even know if your audience wants that. You don't know if your audience wants energy drinks on every plop and on, on every aisle. And so what, what grocery stores will do, you know, the big ones is they'll actually test it out. They'll say, Hey, let's try adding these products at the end of our aisles in like two of our stores. Let's see how people respond. If a ton of people buy it, then let's change all of our stores. But and that's a nice thing because they can do a they can actually do an A/B test per store. Yes. So flip one store, watch the results versus the equivalent store. Yeah, but yep. but businesses aren't doing that online, and businesses are spending sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to resign their sites online. And so before you go in to do a website redesign, it is critical that you start running some tests to say what does our audience care about. Why do we want to redesign? Okay, if we do need a redesign, maybe we do. Um, what kinds of things should we focus on? Like, if we're just going to go and get some random designer that can make it look nice, is that going to convert our audience better? I have seen I have seen clients of mine that have launched sites that cost three hundred thousand dollars to redesign, had zero impact on sales, no impact on conversion rates. But it looked better, but they wasted all that money because it's not generating a return for them. Um, and they'll say, oh, well, but, you know, it helps our online brand and all this stuff. Like, and, I, and I would just argue, well, if you're going to put all the time and effort into doing this, if you're going to spend all of this time creating your online brand, do it in a way that also impacts sales. Uh, yep. And you can only do that if you run some tests first, figure out what your audience cares about, uh, and then make sure you focus on those things during the site redesign. So then how would you go about actually testing a redesign before, you know, in the case of Shopify use where you switch the theme and, you know, one day you just wake up and the theme is completely different and everything's flipped to the new design. How do you actually go about testing, um, testing that? Is it a time-based thing or what's that going to so, look like? No. So typically what we're going to do would, if you're going to change Shopify themes, we're actually in the process of doing this with a couple of our clients right now is we are breaking out 
all of the features of the new site. So here are the major things that are changing. We are changing our product page layout to look like this. Okay, let's change. Let's let's test that layout against our current layout. Okay, um, on the on the category pages, we're going from you know uh, a, a product tile layout that has a button to a, a clean tile layout that just has the picture and the price. Okay, well let's make that change. Let's test that change on our current site and see if we make that change, what happens. So we actually just did this for one of our clients. They were just about to pull the trigger on, on a theme change, and they found out that two of the biggest features from their new theme dramatically decreased revenue. Uh, like okay. dramatically, like 20% decreases in conversion rates. So what, they, what ended up happening is we ended up saving them a ton of money and a, and a major mistake of launching that new site, freaking out, conversion rates are way lower, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, if you had just tested this and taken a few, you know, the reason the businesses don't like this is because it kind of slows down the process a little bit. But, yeah, it sounds like, because then you're advocating pulling those different UI elements into the old site to basically test them in place for us. So you have, you know, so you're changing one variable at a time and not just... One variable at a time. And, and yeah. you don't have to change, you don't have to test all of the changes, right? Yep. You want to test the major ones. And so... Um, though, but, but it's totally worth it if it saves you from pushing a UI change that is going to hurt your conversion rates. Like you, you don't want to risk that. And, and so I, I just, you know, in as many cases as possible, um, I invite business owners to not try to rationalize it and they'll say, well, we've already invested time into this anyways, money into this anyway. I mean, it's like this sunk cost mentality yeah. of like, well, I've already put so much money into this car. I can't sell it now. I'm just going to keep driving it till it dies because I put $20,000 into it and I can only sell it for $1,000. Like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact is, it's only worth this now. And, you know, so same thing with a website. It doesn't matter that you've already put three months into it. Like, it totally sucks to walk away from a site design that you've put three months into. But if it saves you your business or if it saves you an entire quarter of bad sales you should make that sacrifice <laughs> to yeah. not to not push that new site design to that will that will hurt your sales. I'm surprised to see so many um so many times when you hear about this, they have it in, you know, the business functioning, the engine is kind of, you know, churning away, but people are so eager to change it all at once and make this like sweeping change that that sometimes in some cases there's no going back. Once you made it, you're you're yep. there and that's it. And there's no kind of uh there's no kind of fixing it if it goes wrong, but so yep. many people are so eager to make that uh, flip that switch and go. Yep, exactly. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's um, that's a good one. Testing different UI elements, anything like that. So then, once you kind of go through, the goal is to test as many of those as possible. So then, when you do the the actual that big flip day, you're gonna have the least amount of gutches and surprises possible. Exactly. Yep. Gotcha. And and if possible, so I mean, obviously with Shopify. Um, you can only have one theme on your site at a time. Um, but if you have a custom site, you have if you have your own um, e-commerce site, it may actually be possible to run your new site and your old site at the same time. And that's my preferred method of launching a new site design is you take, uh, you, you literally run both sites concurrently. And so you split traffic. Half of it goes to your old site, half of it goes to your new site. Run them both at the same time and see how uh, how product sales play out. Ah, that's a good one. And then you could probably keep making changes to the new site until you kind of, you know, rapidly until iterating you on that. Until fine-tuned it, yep. Yeah, that's a good one. What would you actually use to do some testing like that? What kind of, I know you mentioned 
is it Visual Website Op Optimizer? That's a Google tool? Um, no, Visual Website Optimizer is, is its own tool. Google okay. does have an A-B testing tool, Google Optimize. Uh, and you can do split URL testing through Google Optimize. It's not the best tool, so I, I wouldn't recommend it, especially for like a huge website redesign change. Um, but yeah, any of these testing tools can do split URL testing. Um, like I mentioned, Visual, Visual Website Optimizer, Optimizely are a couple of uh, ones that are fairly easy to get started with. Or if, if you really need to, you can use Google Optimize for free. Okay. Any other kind of tools you'd recommend along those lines? So one other tool that I think is critical for that, that I think every site should be using is heat mapping. So heat mapping mm -hmm. tools are really great to layer on top of your analytics. Heat mapping tools allow you to see where are people clicking on my pages and how far down the page are people scrolling. Um, my, my kind of go-to heat mapping tool is Hotjar. Oh, okay. um, Hotjar actually has a free account that you can sign up for and you can use it on like three pages of your site for free. Um, but it's, it's fascinating when you look at heat mapping, you see exactly where on the page are people clicking so what is Sometimes a heat map for people who don't know? I guess uh, yeah, if you've never used them before. Yeah, a heat map, it, literally what it's going to do is it's going to show you little dots that show exactly where on your page everyone has clicked. So you can look at your homepage and say, hey, I've got this scrolling homepage banner. How many people actually clicked on it? How many people cycled through to the, clicked and cycled through to the next one? Are people clicking on my products or are they clicking on my menu? Um, you know, if they're clicking on my menu, where are they clicking there? You know, so um, it what it really does is it especially helps you to understand things that people are not clicking on. So um, most commonly, what I will see is uh, either your hero banner, your big banner that's that's scrolling through. A lot nope, of times, those cares. don't get yeah, nobody cares or they're not <laughs> clicking on it, so yep. you don't have a very good one. Or if you have videos on your site, a lot of times people are not engaging with videos. Um, hmm. Every business would like to think that their audience is going to engage with videos. But unless you have like a really, really cool product, and of course every business thinks they do, um, but unless you have like a really freaking cool product or a really complicated product, people probably are not going to watch your video. And even if it is complicated, they still might not watch your video. So, um, Yeah, so certain products seem to do very well in yeah, certain products do very well in video, and others not so much. And even if they, even if you get a lot of action on YouTube, that doesn't mean that people want to watch it on your site. I mean, hmm. um, I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I have gone to an e-commerce site in the last month and watched a video before I bought something. It's very rare. I mean, yeah. it, it happens occasionally, um, but I would say it's the exception rather than the rule. And if you have like uh, a B two B e-commerce site, like no one probably is going to watch your video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and again, there is a place for video, yep. and it's usually not your site. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's usually more the, uh, you know, they're engaging on Facebook, but then after they've seen the video, now they're on the site and they want to buy. They don't want to watch a video again. Yes, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a great way to educate your audience. It is a great way to attract awareness. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, actually, um, on, a on a site... Um, that we run here, we had a did some heat map testing and found there was a place on the site, wasn't a button, wasn't a link, and everyone kept clicking on it. Um, for whatever reason, everyone thought that it was. Um, and we realized people, whatever, whatever that was, people want that right there. So we just made that a link. Um, yep. And realizing most people were just clicking on this blank, pla blank place on the page. Um, so it was a super interesting thing that came out of that test. 
Oh, yeah, or if people are clicking on images and you don't have your images linked anywhere, that's a really easy uh, fix to make to go, well, everyone's clicking on this image and nothing happens, so let's have the image take them somewhere, or let's have that actually do something when they click that. Because um, when people are clicking on something, anything on your site, they're expecting something to happen, yep. you know? Um, one other thing that heat mapping can be really be helpful for. So I always tell my clients, your menu on your site should be a means of last resort to your audience. Like if, your, if you are top, getting a top nav, you're saying? Yeah, your top navigation. Hmm. So if you're getting a ton of engagement with your top navigation, what that means is you are not showing the audience the content they want on that page. So if people come to your home page of your website and you're just in like 40, 50, 60% of your clicks are in your top navigation, that means that the offers that you're showing when they first get there are not resonating. It's not the right stuff. So what I will typically recommend my clients do is, okay, let's look at what are they clicking on up in that navigation? Okay, that should be what your offer is on the page. And if they're clicking on... Try to to bring that down to the actual... Yeah, if they're, if they're clicking on men's shirts and your your main banner is like holiday deals or clearance items or shoes or whatever, you're obviously missing the boat. You're not giving the audience what they're looking for. So that can be just one other area that can be very, very informative um, when you're making changes. Hmm. Okay, I like that. That's uh, Is that something you do with all your clients, kind of the heat mapping, or is that one of those things too? Um, oh, yeah, that's that's... No, I think that that's um, heat mapping you should do regardless of how much traffic you get. So even if you get a tiny amount of traffic, heat mapping can be one of the initial ways that you that you start gathering data about your audience. So, yeah, I recommend that everybody do heat mapping no matter how much traffic you have. Okay. I like that. That is uh, that is very helpful. So I want to watch the time. And uh, I think we planned about an hour. I don't want to go over, you know, want to watch our time here. Is there anything kind of, um, you know, where people can find you, any kind of last uh, last things people should remember from this, any last takeaways? So actually, we've, because um, we get a lot of, you know, a lot of these questions fairly frequently. Um, and so what we've actually done is we put together an A-B testing starter guide okay. um, that is a fantastic resource that talks through, you know, the heat mapping, it talks through some of the testing tools that, you know, that we've discussed today and how to best utilize them. Uh, it talks through some of the best tests that you might think about running initially. Um, and so if people are interested in kind of just getting started with A-B testing and seeing what should the next steps be, um, they can go to disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide. Uh, and that's just a free PDF download. So you can grab that and check it out. And if you are interested in we'll talking link, with we'll Disruptive, well. yeah, and if you are interested in talking with Disruptive, if you'd like, if you're like, Hey, this stuff is way over my head. I don't even want to bother with this. Um, there is a there is a um, a box you can check in there that says, "Hey, I'd love to talk with you guys." Um, otherwise, you can just download the guide and, and be on your merry way. Okay, yeah, that would definitely be. Um, if people want to run some tests, they should definitely reach out and even I'm guessing some consultation. Um, you know, are you a good fit? That sort of thing. It's probably yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right, that was uh, super helpful. So I appreciate you coming on today, and um, I think it's really going to help people out. So thank you for that. You bet. Thank you so much for having me on. This is, this is great. Yeah, absolutely. It was great talking to you. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye.